You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Hi, everyone. This is Greg Alexander, the host of the ProServe podcast, brought to you by Collective 54, the first community dedicated to founders of small service firms that are trying to grow, scale, and maybe someday sell their firms. On this episode, we're going to talk about how small service firms can win government contracts by partnering with larger firms. And we have a fantastic Collective 54 member with us. His name is Paul Karch, and Paul is an expert in all things government contracting and was gracious enough to come on today's uh, podcast with us and share what he knows. So, Paul, with that, it's good to see you. Would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. My name is Paul Karch. I'm founder and CEO of an organization called Garden Global. Garden Global is a 17-year-old organization that has been focused on government contracting for those 17 years. Um, and our, our claim to fame is we've won about $300 billion worth of business for our clients over those years. Wow. You know, on one hand, I'm super happy that you delivered so great for your clients. On the other hand, it makes me somewhat uneasy that the government spent $300 billion because <laughs> those are my they're spending more. <laughs> I know. I mean, so hopefully they're spending it wisely. But anyways, all right. So first I want to, I'm going to ask some basic questions. And I should say, Paul, as a uh, maybe jumping off point, as a general comment, our members are mostly focused on the private sector. Um and it's a growth opportunity for many of them to expand their business into government business. Right. And yet they don't know how to do it. So today is going to be very basic for you after doing this for 17 plus years. But for our members, it's going to be, you know, somewhat eye opening. So with that as a backdrop, I'm going to start with my very first question, which is, can you define for me what a quote unquote large government contractor is and maybe name a few to give us some context? Certainly. Well, the, the term large business, large government contractor is determined by the NAICS code, North, the North American Industry Classification System code. Okay. So to give you, so to give you an example, Greg, um, a large, uh, uh, for example, the NASA subcontract, which is uh, up, will be the RFP will be released in February. The small business size standard is $34 million. So any company below $34 million is classified as a small. Any company above $34 million is classified as a large. So the differentiation can be, it could be looking at that as the NAICS code is the large business. It could be looking at the organization as a large business. So for example, Lockheed Martin is the single largest government contractor that exists today. Okay. We're talking billions of dollars, but Lockheed Martin, again, is in space, they're in technology, they're in um, Homeland Security, they're across the board and they would be classified as a, they're, they're like the mega large contractors, but even a $35 million company on this NASA contract would be classified as a large. Interesting. And this $34 million line of demarcation, is that an annual revenue generated from government contracting or is that just an annual revenue of a firm in general? It's uh, running through your average of the firm in general. But remember, it's based on the NAICS code. So there are NAICS codes like 334111, which is the hardware manu tech technology hardware manufacturing NAICS code. And that NAICS code is defined by number of personnel. Any organization that's 1,250 people or larger 
in population, in employee population, is classified as large. Okay. And Got anything it. smaller. So there's differentiations here. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. in that case, it's it's a running three-year average as far as their people okay. are concerned. All right, perfect. Now, yep. in previous um, sessions with members, we had some, some of your peers that are in this space suggest to our audience, which are small service firms, that a good entry point into uh, the government contracting world um, would be as a subcontractor to a large contractor. So that's the reason why I started with the first question is, you know, sure. what is what is a large contractor? So wh why would somebody like a Lockheed Martin or another, you know, very large firm, why would they want to subcontract anybody? Well, I think I think you've got you've got a lot of uh, external you've got government pressures and external pressures specifically for this from the Small Business Administration. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a Lockheed Martin is probably um, under under obligation to bring about fifteen to twenty percent of all of their revenue through small businesses. Mm -hmm. That's that's a mandate and that's a commitment they give. So, under the large contracts that they're awarded. Every one of those organizations has to complete, which is something that's known as a small business subcontracting plan. And when they do that small business subcontracting plan, they submit it with their bid. When they win the bid, they typically will be audited every year on their small business utilization. So that's why they would have to continue to add to their small business portfolio, because if they are successful in bringing small businesses on, by, by default, the small businesses will outgrow their small business size standard in two or three years working with Lockheed Martin. Yeah. Boy, I didn't know about that. Say that again. It's a, it's a, what was the terminology you used there? Small business subcontracting plan. Small business subcontracting plan. And there, it's mandated it's that they have it's to a have mandatory, one. It's a mandatory piece for all government contracts that large businesses participate in. Jeez. Now you learn something new every day. That's fantastic. So obviously this idea lines up very well for our community because most of them would be in that definition of a small business. So Absolutely. Let, so if I am a founder of one of these small businesses and I want to go approach, you know, a large government contractor and position myself to participate in this, how do I, how would I do that? Well, first and foremost, it's not for the faint of heart. So you have to be committed to doing it. This is not something that will happen overnight. It's something that takes time and patience to do. I was a senior vice president of a very large defense contractor before I started Garden Global. I set aside Thursday morning from 9 to 11 to interview small businesses. Hmm. And I would do 15-minute interviews every Thursday. I would pick the small business that was the most prepared, that was able to provide me a single-page capability statement. I don't want a long presentation. I didn't want a book. I wanted a single presentation. But I also wanted to know that they understood the government contracting market. So what I wanted them to know, I wanted them to be registered in SAM, which is the Systems for Award, Ma uh, Award Management, which they must be registered to do government contracting. I wanted to make certain that they understood the agencies that I supported and that they were coming to me to support. So for example, if our, if one of the members is, wants to support Lockheed Martin, it would behoove them or they the, the way they would get in there is if they had a clearance. Mm -hmm. If they don't have clearances, there's no point in talking to Lockheed Martin. Because Lockheed Martin contracts require security clearances. So it's really knowing your audience, knowing the agencies that you want to target with those large businesses, registering yourself as the organization, and then moving forward at, if that's the route you want to take as a partner to a small business or okay. to a large business. Okay. And and I appreciate that it's not for the faint of heart and you got to hang in there. You know, I would suggest and encourage everybody to take a step in this direction only because the size of the prize is so big. And, Correct. you know, if you hang in there, I mean, it can really transform the business. Plus, it's a diversification strategy. You know, as 
maybe the private sector goes through recession, you know, the government remains to be a very large purchaser of services. So it's a good strategy from that standpoint. Okay, so I'm putting myself in the shoes of our members and I'm listening to your expert counsel here, Paul, and, and I'm, I'm overwhelmed and intimidated. Um, for example, I don't have security clearance. How would I get that? Um, I don't know the SVP of a large defense contractor. If I get right. on the phone with him and he interviews me for 15 minutes, I'm going to lay an egg and ruin my opportunity. Like, so how do, um, I guess, how do I get myself prepared? Like, how do I even get started? Sure. Well, a couple of things. One, one, you could contract with a company, you know, similar to ours, but, the, but more importantly, I think it's, um, so bringing someone or actually bringing individuals as consultants or as employees that have an, an expertise in government contract, not an expertise in DOD or again, you don't have to be, you don't have to be familiar with all the agencies. You just need to be familiar with the processes that are required because they're exactly the same for all the agencies. Mm. I don't recommend the members initially going for contracts that do require a security clearance because right now in the industry as it is today, a security clearance will take at least 24 to 36 months to get through mm. for a single individual. And the company has to be cleared before they can actually hire cleared people. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at that. So my suggestion is pick agencies that are receptive to uh, something called HSPD-12, which is a Homeland Security Protective, uh, Homeland Security uh, um, Personnel Directive. And that deals with just standard background checks for your individuals. Okay. At that point, then you can start to look at agencies like Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Homeland Security, um, Department of uh, uh, Department of Commerce, Department of Education, Dep uh, Housing and Urban Development. But then it's a question of: Do you own as as an organization? Are you in any way in a socioeconomically disadvantaged class? Because if you're in a socioeconomically disadvantaged class, woman-owned, minority-owned. Uh, hub zone, which is in a highly underutilized business zone, which is where your office, where your facilities would be, and 35% of your employees have to be part of that. If you're one of those types of and have the ability to do that, your first port of call should be with Small Business Administration to get sanctioned to get certified with the various small business uh, socioeconomic designations. So at that point, when you go to talk with any of these companies, you have that designation, and that imme immediately moves you to the top of the pile. Yep. So, so Paul, I'm going to ask you, which is unconventional for me, um, and it, and you're not offering it because you're adhering to our code of conduct, which I appreciate. But I'm going to ask you to describe your services because what I'm feeling right now is, that, and I'm putting my shoes in the members. The easiest thing for me to do is just to hire somebody like yourself and have them hold my hand and walk me through the process. Tell me a little bit about how you start with a client and kind of what you help them do. Sure. We actually, we, we, we begin with, a, uh, obviously, we, we look for a corporate overview. I'm, I'll give you an example. We're kicking off with a number of clients right now, the NASA subcontract, with a number of companies that are uh, very, very limited in their government contracting. But it's it's a $100 billion, 10-year technology contract that will be awarded to about 150 companies. Wow. It's for technology, hardware, software, and ser hardware services, both enterprise and, and in individual services. The very first thing we do is we'd like a corporate overview and a corporate presentation of what that company does so that we can feel what you do. We'll then validate. I have a compliance group that will validate if you're registered in the SAM systems for award management or not. If you're not, we will take care of registering you so that then you are now sanctioned to do government business. And from that point forward, we will develop the capability statement for you. 
We'll look at all of the different aspects and the, the mandatories that are required for this contract itself. So give you an example. The NASA super contract requires ISO 9001-2015 certification if you're selling into the hardware space. Mm. ISO 9001-2015 is an international, international standard for quality. Some of our clients that have come forward for this contract don't have it, so we're helping them achieve that certification now. We then walk them through the audit while we're bringing them to the altar of bidding the proposal itself. If they're looking at the services side, um, the services side actually require ISO uh, 9001-2015 and CMMI. CMMI is driven from the Carnegie Mellon Institute, and that's CMMI in services or CMMI in development. We'll also help them with that and get that certification. Once they have that certification, we bring them together. We work on the proposal. And remember, we're starting the proposal. We started for, with some clients in August. The RFP will not be released till February or March. The due date won't be until next June. Mm. So we've started six months, eight months, 10 months in advance of a specific opportunity that we want to go after. That is what a small business and the members need to be able to do in order to position themselves to win that first contract, second contract, third contract. Like I mentioned, for, it's not for the faint of heart. It really is not. But we helped, and I'll give you an example. We helped an organization win the predecessor contract to this eight years ago. They won the con. They won the contract. They hadn't done any government business before. Won the contract, and then worked the contract for about six months, and then sold the contract on to another company. You know, for for you know, ten million plus. Wow, I didn't realize you could do that. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. As long as they can novate it across, as long as you have the same certifications, the person buying it as the people that had it. Yeah. Okay. And it has to be sanctioned. But, you know, again, you can do that. So there's value and there's value, there's gold in them, their hills, so to speak. Yeah. And is the process the same or different when you consider, you know, federal, state, local, et cetera? It's very, it's, it's, it's very, it's the same. It's a great question. It's the same, but different. And I'll tell you, the registrations, the certifications in many cases are the same. Um, I ran state and local for a large technology company uh, a number of years ago. And the difference with the state and local market is it is state and local. Mm. So you must need, you need a local presence to win business in a specific state that you're in. Mm. So if, for example, if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm based in South Florida. I would probably, if I wanted to do direct Florida business, I would actually put an office in Tallahassee. Okay. And I would have people in Tallahassee calling on the state capital um, because that's, that's how you, that's how you win the state business because it's always somebody's brother, somebody's cousin, somebody's friend, somebody's college roommate, somebody, you know, in, in Tallahassee, it's all Florida state. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're a Florida state grad, you're in, if you're university of Florida, you might not be in. Yeah. Or Miami hurricane. <laughs> exactly. My wife is Miami hurricane. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's her thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and your firm helps at all tiers of government? Absolutely. We help at all tiers. Uh, again, the, the state and local markets a little bit more, it's a lot more fragmented. So it's, it requires a different, a different focus. Yeah. Um, but, but again, the, the idea is if you're, if you're in a jurisdiction, the state and local market's great, but the federal, the federal market, I always classify as fortune one yep. okay. because they spend more money than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe conclude with this little brief success story. So I was, I'm working with a member during office hours and he's thinking through his ideal client profile and we're discussing this concept of a lookalike analysis and I won't bore you with the details of that but what it basically means is who are my best clients what do they look like and mm -hmm. are there other people that that are similar and he stumbled on the fact that he was he had 30 MSP clients these are recurring revenue clients he's in the IT world and 10 right. of them 10 of them were local municipalities and he mm -hmm. didn't realize that 
And he said, geez, I wonder what's going on here. Like, why do these little 10 municipalities see such value in our services? And he determined that that was going to be one of his ideal client profiles, and he's pursuing that. And they're all they're sizable contracts. They're profitable. You know, they've got healthy client relationships. The employees that work on these contracts are, are happy. So it's just yep. an example of what the opportunity is. So, all right, well, listen, um, you Absolutely. know, Paul, on behalf of the membership, uh, I wanted to thank you for— uh, offering your overview here on this podcast. And I'm really looking forward to the follow-up that we'll have, which will be the one-hour private exclusive Q&A with members. They're going to have a ton of questions. Um, Excellent. So I look forward to that. So thanks on, on behalf of all the members for coming on. All right, Greg. Thank you very much and anytime. Okay. Thanks, sir. All right. And for those that, uh, that are listening, just three quick calls to actions. As I mentioned, members um, attend Paul's session. We'll get that invi- invite out to you shortly. Um, if you're not a member and you want to become one, go to collective54.com and fill out an application. We'll get in contact with you. And if you're just someone who wants to learn more, uh, check out my book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. You can find that on Amazon. But uh, with that, until next time, I wish you good luck as you try to grow, scale, and sell your firm. Mm-hmm.